0: I would like to begin the lesson this morning this morning by sharing something with you kind of personal. Not long, befo- not long before my grandfather who raised me would pass away in March of last year, he sent me a birthday card in March of last year. This was the last card he ever sent me. Keep in mind, he's very, he's very sick at this time, when he wrote this card, and he said, I know this is supposed to be a jolly true birthday for you. You go from one year to another, and that is a blessing. I realize that our birthdays are only two days apart. His is on March the 4th. Mine is on March the 6th. And he says, I realize our birthdays are only two days apart, and I haven't been too, too much concerned about mine. I do hope that I'm starting to turn the corner and get better. I enjoyed hearing the kids' voices the other night. Shawn Michael always encourages me when he tells me that God is in the works. Happy birthday, and I hope you have a great year. I know about this side of life, but I have heard people say many things about the other side. I wonder what it will truly be like. Your father, Tommy. Again, that is the last birthday card that I would ever receive from my grandfather who raised me. He would go on to pass away a couple of weeks later. And as you can see from that card, death was certainly on his mind. Death was certainly swirling around in his brain. I mean, even a card that is designed to celebrate another year of somebody's life Due to his own personal battle with mortality, he was telling me that that he's curious about death. He's curious about the afterlife. I believe he was telling me that he knew that very soon he was going to die, and he wanted to know what was that going to be like. What was that going to look like? What was that going to feel like? He was curious about death and the afterlife, and aren't a lot of people just like him? aren't a lot of people just like my grandfather, I mean like my grandfather, aren't a lot of people curious about death and the afterlife. Hollywood, Hollywood certainly understands this. Hollywood certainly gets this even though we live in what appears to be a very death-denying culture. Hollywood certainly understands that for a lot of people they are curious and they are fascinated with what they think is gonna to happen to us when we die. This is why movies like The Sixth Sense and Ghostbusters and Heaven Can Wait and even Beetlejuice have, have made so much money at the box office. This is why books like Heaven is for Real and 90 Minutes in Heaven and 23 Minutes in Hell have sold millions and millions of copies. This is why when we study great chapters in the Bible, like Luke chapter 16, we often miss the main point of the story that Jesus is telling there. We often miss the main point of the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which, by the way, is designed to be a warning against being selfish and greedy like the scribes and the Pharisees. And we want to focus on what it says about death. We could really care less about the Lord's main point against don't be selfish and don't be greedy. No, no we want to focus on, on the afterlife. We want to talk about Abraham's bosom. And we want to talk about how Lazarus was carried by the angels of God there. And we want to talk about that great chasm or that great gulf that's mentioned there. And we even want to talk about some physical things that are mentioned in a spiritual dimension. Things like tongues and water and, and fingers. We want to talk about that kind of stuff when we read Luke 16. You see, so often when we read Luke 16, we bypass the main point and we want to talk about death and the afterlife, and I guess I understand that. I guess I understand why we as human beings are so curious about death in the afterlife. I mean, think about it. No one here knows what that's going to be like no one here knows what's that going to look like or what's that going to feel like no one here knows what it is going to feel like to die now we do know we do know that one day we are going to die right we do know that one day we're all going to know what it feels like to die we know this because the bible tells us this over and over again it tells us this as early as genesis chapter 5 didn't you notice that when you study from Genesis chapter 5 in your, Bible, in your Bible class a few weeks ago? Go in your Bible to Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis, the fifth chapter, and looking at verse number 5, when talking about the first man, Adam, the first man that God created him, who was Adam, the Bible says in Genesis 5 and verse 5, so all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Look at verse 8, when talking about Seth, his son. It says, so all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Look at verse 11, so all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Look at verse 14, so all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Look at verse 17, so all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Look at verse 20. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Verse 27. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Notice how even though during this time people were living a long time on the earth, even though they were living for many years, 600 years, 700 years, 800 years, even over 900 years, even though people are living a long time during this time, the Bible says they still all met the same fate. The Bible says they all still died. Every one of these people died. No one from the time of Genesis lived forever. In Genesis 5, we read about a bunch of people dying, but we don't just find that in Genesis 5, we read about death all through Genesis. As we continue in Genesis, we read in the next chapter, chapter 6, about millions and maybe millions of people dying in a global flood during the time of Noah. We read about a bunch of people dying in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. When God rained fire and and brimstone from heaven, we read about the death of Abraham in Genesis and Isaac and Jacob. And even the last few verses of the book, we read about the death of Joseph in the land of Egypt. While the book of Genesis is certainly a book of beginnings, it's also a book of ends. It's a book about the end of a bunch of people's lives. Throughout the book of Genesis, we read about... A lot of people dying, but we just don't read about that in Genesis. All throughout the Bible, we read about great servants of God dying. We read about the death of Moses in the Bible. We read about the death of Joshua and Samuel and David and Solomon and even God's son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the death of God's son, Jesus Christ, that is a core part of the foundation of the gospel message that we preach today. Great servants of God die all throughout the Bible. And then think about verses like Hebrews 9 and verse 27, where the Bible says it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes the judgment. James puts it this way in James 4 and verse 14, when he says that our lives are like a vapor that appear just for a little while, and then they vanish away. And haven't you noticed just how much death is talked about in the wisdom literature? Have you noticed that in your Bible reading this year? It's all over the place. Look at the book of Job. I'm going to Job chapter 7, and listen to what the man of God, Job, said to God. In Job 7, beginning with verse number 7. In Job 7, in verse 7, he says, Remember that my life is but breath. My eye will not again see good. The eye of him who sees me will behold me no longer. Your eyes will be on me, but I will not see. When a cloud vanishes, it is gone. So so he who goes down to Sheol does not come up. He will not return again to his house, nor will his place know him anymore. What is Job saying there? Where there Job is acknowledging the fact that he knew that one day he was going to die. He knew that his life was relatively short. He wasn't going to live forever. Solomon talks about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I mean, all through Ecclesiastes, Solomon talks about death. Ecclesiastes talks a lot about death. But here's a great example uh, of this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 19. In Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 19, Solomon says, For the fate of the sons of men, and the fate of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath, and there is no advantage for man over beast, for all is vanity. All go to the same place, all came from the dust, and all will return to the dust. One thing we have in common with the animal, with the cat and the dog and the cow and the frog and the cockroach, is we die. We die just like the animals die. That's what Solomon says there. And I really like how Moses puts this in Psalm 90. Go in your Bible to Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is one of my favorite psalms. In the first few verses of Psalm 90, Moses talks about the everlasting nature of God. He says God is from everlasting to everlasting. He's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. But he contrasts that with us. And he says in Psalm 90, verse 10, as for our days, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. Or if due to strength, if you do well, you get 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone. And we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. What is Moses saying there? Well, there there Moses is acknowledging something that that we may not want to hear today. He's acknowledging something that we may want to deny. He is saying something that we may want to keep far removed from our minds. But that is, that is we're going to die. That is death is an inevitable fate for us all. No one is going to live forever, no one is going to stay on this earth forever unless the Lord comes back first, we all, we all, we're all going to die. We're all going to exit out of this life at one point or another. The Bible reminds us of this over and over again, but not only does the Bible remind us of this, life itself reminds us of this, right? I mean, isn't that exactly what we were reminded of when we learned about the passing of our brother and friend, Brother John Banks? Isn't that exactly what we're reminded of every time we turn on the news? Isn't that exactly what we are reminded of every time we hear an update on the number of COVID-related deaths? Whenever we hear about the deaths of famous people like Colin Powell, or whenever we hear about someone getting killed by a prop gun on a, on a movie set. The news is reminding us about death all the time. In fact, behind television, the news reminding us of this. Think about the people you've known in your own circle of life to die. You know, Gigi and I were talking about this not too long ago, but we've realized that over the past couple of years, we have personally known, personally known, of at least 20 people to die. Some of these people were gospel preachers, like Brother D. Bowman. Some of these people were brethren that we have worked with in various local churches, and some of these people were members of our own family. I mean, in addition to my grandfather passing away last year, there was an occasion when Gigi lost two aunts on the very same day, and I've also lost a couple of aunts over the last few months. You see, while we may like like to try to live our lives in denial of the inevitable, while we might not like to think about it and talk about it and hear sermons about it, while we might like to try to keep this reality far removed from our minds, the Bible and life itself teaches us that no matter how strong and healthy we are today, No matter how much we take care of our bodies, and there's nothing wrong with taking care of your body, but no matter how much we take care of our bodies, no matter how much we exercise, no matter how good our genes are, no matter how well we eat or how much we try to avoid catching COVID, we're still going to die. We're still one day going to have to exit out of this life. If we have a problem with that, then we need to take that up with God. We need to take that up with the Bible. We need to take that up with God and his Bible because God in his Bible reminds us over and over again that we as mortal people, we are one day going to die. In fact, not only does the Bible tell us over and over again that we're going to die, but it also tells us about some things that's going to happen to us when we do die. For example, one of the things that the Bible is pretty clear on When it comes to what's going to happen to us when we die is first the Bible wants us to know that after we die, we're going to continue to exist. We're going to continue to live on. We're going to continue to live on in eternity. This is something that the atheist, the person who doesn't believe in God, well, the atheist doesn't believe this. The atheist does not believe that we're going to continue to exist after we die. I'm reminded of the words of one of the world's most famous atheists right now, and that's Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins had this to say in response to a question that he was asked about life after death. He said, let's be realistic about this. We have brains. It is our brains that do the thinking. And once our brains stop, they are going to decay, and that's going to be that. On another occasion, he said this. He said, be thankful that you have life and forget your vain and presumptuous desire for a second one. I believe both of those statements right there by Richard Dawkins sum up perfectly what the atheist believes about this issue. You see, the atheist believes that death is the end. Death is the end of our existence. At the point of death, we are done and there's nothing more to come. You see, for the atheist, he believes that there's nothing more to man than this right here. There's nothing more to me and you than this physical machine that we have. But once this physical machine breaks down, once it dies, once our brains stop working and they start decaying, well, guess what? That's going to be the end of us. There's nothing else to come after you die. That's what the atheist believes. That's what the atheist promotes. But that's not what Jesus promoted. That's not what Jesus believed. That's not what Jesus taught. You see, when it comes to Jesus, someone who did die and who did come back from the dead and was seen all over the place after he was raised. Jesus says that death is not the end for us. He says that death is not the end of man's existence. It is not the end of our journey. Instead, Jesus says we're going to live on. We're going to live on in eternity. We're going to live on in a spiritual dimension. I think that is something that is crystal clear from Luke chapter 16, our scripture reading this morning, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Let me tell you something, regardless of how you decide to treat Luke 16, regardless if you decide to treat that story as a real-life story, something that really happened, or if you believe me, it was a parable, regardless of how you decide to treat that, I think one point that is crystal clear from that story is the fact that we're going to continue to exist after we die. If we don't agree on anything, we at least have to agree on that. Jesus is teaching that in that story. And so go back to Luke 16, and notice again what he says in verse 23. Jesus in verse 23 after telling us about the death of the rich man and after telling us about the death of Lazarus, the poor man, it says in verse 23, in Hades, Hades is the place that where the departed souls go. When the soul leaves the body, it goes to Hades. Hades is also called Sheol in the Bible. When the soul leaves the body, it goes to Hades to await the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus. It says that when it came to the rich man in Hades, he lifted up his eyes being in torment and he saw Abraham. This is the same Abraham we've been studying about in Genesis. He saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Notice how here, according to Jesus, when the rich man died and when Lazarus died and when Abraham died, they didn't cease to exist. They were not like rover dead all over. Their brains did not simply decay, and that was that. No, Jesus says that after these men died, they continued to exist. They experienced consciousness. They retained their identities. They even retained their memories. That's what Jesus says there. And Jesus taught the Sadducees the same thing in Matthew 22. When you go in your Bible, please, to Matthew 22. You see, the Sadducees is is a group of Jews in the time of Jesus who it appears they did not believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. They come to Jesus in Matthew 22 beginning with verse 23, ask him this hypothetical question about this woman who had seven different husbands, and they want to know, when the resurrection takes place, if there is a resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? Whose wife is this woman going to be in the afterlife? They're trying to trap Jesus. And so in Matthew 22 and verse 31, Jesus responded in this way, "But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read? Have you not read your Bible? Have you not studied the scriptures? Have you not read the book of Exodus? Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living. What is Jesus saying here to the Sadducees? Well, he's telling them you're wrong. You're wrong in what you believe. You have not studied the scriptures carefully. If you had studied the scriptures carefully, you would have known that there is an afterlife. There is life after death. There is going to be a resurrection. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even though they've been dead for a long time. God is still their God. God is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Jesus there is confirming the fact that after people die, they continue to exist. And he told the the, the thief on the cross that in Luke 23 and verse 43. Remember when Jesus was dying, on the cross next to the thief he says truly I say to you today today right now you're gonna be with me in paradise notice he didn't tell that man that once you're dead, that's it for you you're no more there's nothing more to come no he told this man you're gonna continue to exist I'm gonna save your soul you will be with me in paradise that's what Jesus told the thief on the cross and then look at what Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 28 In Matthew 10 and verse 28, Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Notice how here in this verse we see exactly why we're not done after we die. We see exactly why we will continue to live even after death. According to Jesus, the reason why we are not done at the point of death is because we're special. It's because we are unique. It is because there is more to us than this physical body. You see, inside this physical body, Jesus says we got a soul. You have a soul. I have a soul. We got a soul inside our bodies and it's that soul that's going to live on in eternity. It's that soul that will continue on in the spiritual realm. It is that soul that will live on in Hades as we await the day of resurrection and the return of Jesus. Jesus says after we die, we're going to continue to exist. Our souls We'll live on. But then a second thing we learn from Jesus is once we die, we're going to experience some separation. Separation. When we say separation here, we're not just talking about the separation of body and soul, which is the biblical definition of, of death. No, beyond that, we're talking about separation from other people. We're talking about separation from other souls. Jesus, I believe, makes this crystal clear in Matthew 7. Verses 13 and 14, when he talks about the broad path and the narrow path. Remember that? I believe he also makes this clear in Matthew 25 and verse 46. When he talks about the righteous receiving eternal life and the wicked receiving eternal judgment. I believe he also makes this clear in Luke 16. In the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You see, my friends, regardless, again, regardless of how you decide to treat that story, regardless of if you think that's a real life story or that's a parable, regardless of how you decide to treat that, one point that is crystal clear is there will be a separation between the righteous and wicked at death. There will be a separation between the children of God and the children of Satan at death. The rich man and Lazarus both died, but they were separated, right? They lived together on the earth, but they were separated at death. They were separated in Hades while Lazarus, the poor man, awaits the second coming of Jesus and the resurrection. The scripture says he's able to be in a place of comfort. He's able to be near the faithful man of God, Abraham. He's able to be in a place of paradise, that paradise that Jesus mentioned in Luke 23, 43. You see, the poor man Lazarus, he's in a place of comfort, but the rich man? Well, that rich man's in a place of torment. That rich man is in a place of agony. That rich man is awaiting the second coming of Jesus and the resurrection in a place of suffering. The rich man and Lazarus were separated at the point of death. And the reason why they were separated at the point of death It's because they lived two totally different lives on the earth. In the case of the poor man, Lazarus, even though he was very poor, he was very poor. He was very, also very spiritually rich. He also loved God. He loved the Bible. He clearly was storing up spiritual treasures in heaven while they were rich, rich man. Well, he was he was a wicked man he was an unrighteous man he was selfish and he was greedy these two men were separated at the point of death the question is which group do you want to be in which group do you want to be in when you die do you want to be in the group that has Lazarus and Abraham, or do you want to be in the group with the rich man? I'm asking you that question because we're living in a world today where picking groups seems to be such a big deal. Have you noticed that? We're living in a world today where you got to pick a political group, you got to pick a sports group, you got to pick a social media group. We're living in a world where picking groups seems to be such a big deal, but I submit to you the decision we make in regards to these two groups right here, that is of the utmost importance. That is of the highest importance that has eternal and everlasting consequences. Jesus teaches us that once we die, we will continue to exist. But even though we're going to exist, we're going to be separated. We're either going to be separated from the righteous or we're going to be separated from the wicked. That's going to all be determined by how we lived our lives on the earth. In fact, that brings us to the third thing we need to point out, and that is when we die, our eternal fates. They're going to be sealed. They're going to be sealed forever. You know, one of the things my son likes to do is he likes to play video games. He loves to play video games. Particularly, he loves to play Marvel video games. He likes to be Iron Man and Black Panther and Thor and Captain America and all those people. He likes to be those people on the PlayStation. But unfortunately, sometimes he dies when he's playing those people. Sometimes he's killed by a villain when he's Captain America, but he doesn't get too stressed out about that. He doesn't cry about that. You know why? He gets to do it again. He gets another life. He gets another chance. You see, when you play a video game, once you die, you get another opportunity. You get a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, and a fifth chance. That's how it works when it comes to playing a video game. But, my friends, that's not how it works when it comes to real life. You see, when it comes to real life, once we die, once we exit out of this life, that's it. There are no second chances. There are no second, third and fourth and fifth opportunities to come back here and start serving Jesus. There's no redos. There's no hitting the reset button. No, once we exit out of this life, once we die, once we are gone from this physical realm, that's it. Our eternal fates are sealed and there is nothing we can do to change it. That's something else I think we clearly see in Luke 16. Again, regardless of how you decide to treat that, regardless of how you decide to deal with that story, one point that is crystal clear is once we die, our eternal fates are sealed. After we die, there is permanency. There are no second chances when it came to that rich man. I think that rich man, he clearly understood that. Did you notice that? Did you notice that not by what he said, but by what he didn't say? Notice again, back in that story in Luke 16 that we read earlier, when it came to where he was and him wanting to warn his five brothers about that place of torment, notice he didn't ask to go back. He didn't ask to go back. Did you notice that? Who did he ask to go back? He asked Lazarus to go back. He didn't ask to go back. He didn't ask to be sent back to his father's house. He didn't even ask to go to the other side to be with Abraham and Lazarus. He seemed to clearly understand that that was it for him. He understood his eternal fate was sealed. And there was nothing he could do about it. Jesus teaches this, I believe, going back to Matthew 25 and verse 46. When Jesus, when talking about what's going to happen when he comes again, and all nations are gathered before him, and he separates the righteous from the wicked, like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he says that when it comes to the wicked, these will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Notice how Jesus describes our existence At this point. Notice how Jesus describes our existence after he comes again and the judgment takes place as eternal. He describes it as final. He describes it as something that will go on and on and on and on whether we end up receiving punishment in hell or a great reward in heaven. Jesus says we're going to be experiencing those things forever. Jesus says we're going to be experiencing those things for eternity. Let me tell you something. That is very different than what we are experiencing right now on this earth. My dear friends, I understand. I get it. I understand we live in a world right now that seems completely turned upside down. Do you feel that way? It's all messed up. I understand that we live in a world right now where people seem to have gone crazy They call good things evil and evil things good. You got men wanting to be women and women wanting to be men. We seem like we live in a world where nobody cares about God. People don't care about Jesus. They don't care about the Bible. This world really seems pretty messed up. But let me tell you something. No matter how bad it is right now or no matter how bad it's going to get in the future, one thing that is true is none of this is going to last forever. It's not going to last forever. In numerous places in the Bible, we learn that one day the Lord is going to come back. And when he comes back, everything we see, even America, is all going to be destroyed. It's all going to be destroyed by fire. This world, no matter how bad it gets, it will not last forever. But that's not the way it's going to work in the next life. You see, why this world... And even our lives are temporary. The next life is eternal. The next life is everlasting. The next life is an experience that will never cease to exist. We're going to continue to exist after death. And we're going to experience some separation, either from the righteous or from the wicked. And our eternal fates are going to be sealed. The question, though, is... The question is, how are we going to respond to all of this? How are we going to respond to what Jesus tells us about death and the afterlife? I mean, in light of our continual existence after death. In light of the fact that we don't know when we're going to die. But but once we die, our eternal fates are going to be sealed in light of all those kinds of realities Will we make sure we do exactly what the Bible says to prepare for death? Will we make sure that we make mo- the most of this one life that God has given us right here and right now? Will we make sure that we live our faith in the gospel and live our faith in Jesus so that we don't have to live our lives every day afraid of death? I don't know about you, but have you noticed how so many Christians are afraid to die? If I haven't learned anything over the last two years, I've learned that. A lot of Christians talk about going to heaven. They just don't want to go right now. A lot of Christians are scared to die. But, but, but the Bible says in Revelation 14, to verse 13, it says, "Blessed, Blessed is a good thing, right? Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Henceforth says the spirit, they get to rest from their labors. The Bible says that while the wicked should be afraid of death, while the wicked should be afraid to die, the faithful Christian should not. The faithful Christian should not be viewing death as the worst possible thing that could happen to us. The faithful Christian should not be viewing death as a cursing. Instead, the scripture says The faithful Christian should be viewing death as a blessing. It is a blessing, and if there was anyone who had that kind of attitude and mindset, it was the Apostle Paul. Let me show you one more place in your Bible, and we're going to get ready to close. Philippians chapter 1. We could have gone to the scriptures that Brian read this morning, which are excellent, from 2 Timothy 4. We see Paul's attitude about this there, too. But in Philippians chapter one, let me show you another section here that I think goes with that. In Philippians chapter one and in verse 21, keep in mind that Paul is in a Roman jail cell for preaching the gospel. And his life is always at risk. Jews are trying to kill him. They're following him everywhere. People want Paul dead because he's successful in spreading the gospel. But look at what Paul had to say about this. In Philippians one and verse 21, he says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is lost. It is awful. It's the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. Is that what your Bible says there? It's not what my Bible says. It says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's a gain. But if I'm going to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very what? That's very much better. That's very much better. Notice how Paul, when it came to death, Paul wasn't afraid of death. Paul wasn't scared to die. Paul wasn't walking around saying, oh my goodness, death, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to a child of God. No, as a faithful child of God, as a faithful Christian, Paul had a positive view of death. Paul had an optimistic view of death. Paul viewed death as gain. He was confident that after experiencing death, he would get to be with the Lord. That's what he says. That that was his mindset, and I want to encourage us to have the same mindset. I want to encourage us to understand that when we are like the apostle Paul, when we live our lives totally devoted to Jesus Christ, we don't have to live every day in denial of death. We don't have to live every day like the world, afraid to die, totally absorbed in the here and now. We don't have to have this this pessimistic view of death when we live for the Lord instead we can live our lives optimistic about it and even preparing for it and trying to help other people prepare for it as well. You see, the faithful Christian, he prepares for death. And he tries to help other people prepare for death. In fact, if there was anything, if there was anything that we need to be telling people about death, let me tell you something, it's that right there. It is the fact that since death is certain, since it is guaranteed, they need to be preparing for it. They need to be preparing to meet the Lord. They need to be trying to obey the gospel and learn the gospel. They need to be serving Jesus, the one who conquered death once and for all. You see, it's not enough just to know what the Bible says about death. We also need to be getting ready for it. So the question is, are you ready for it? Are you getting ready for it? Are you ready for it if it occurred even on this day? You know, the main reason, the main reason, well, there are two reasons. Let me say it this way. There are two reasons why I became a preacher. I became a preacher because I love God and I love people. I love God and I love people. I want to help people serve the Lord. I want to help people get ready for death. And so if there's someone here this morning that I can help with that, Or if any of us can help with that, we would love to help you with that. Whether it's study the Bible with you, if you want to have a Bible study. If you want to confess your faith in Christ and repent of your sins and be baptized. If you are a child of God that hasn't been living right and you want to be restored. Whatever we have to do to help you get ready for something that could occur even on this day. Let us help you with that because we love you. We want to help you go to heaven. Come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing.